3: hello everyone welcome along to rotoviz overtime on rotoviz radio brought to you by the ffpc this is the New Year's edition of the show. My name is Colm Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined today once again by my co-host, the co-owner of Roto-Biz, Mr. Sean Siegel. We're going to look a little bit back about how our season's finished up because last week we had the show where we recorded it ahead of week 16 in our final games. We'll be talking about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, obviously, we'll be looking a little bit at week 17, looking ahead to the playoffs, looking a little bit into 2019 so there's lots to talk about in an action-packed show sean the holiday season is still progressing some of our listeners will be listening to this after new year's but we're recording this on new year's eve so i guess happy new year to you first of all and uh, i hope you've got over the holidays okay and uh, i'm sure you're already thinking about your epic journey uh, back home again
2: <laughs> yes thank you and and happy new year to you happy new year to our listeners it will be a fun journey back home across the country but that is still a couple of days away and get to bask in the glow of a week 17 that had uh, some surprisingly good games and brought the number one overall seed in the afc to the chiefs so we're we're starting out 2019 in the right direction
3: so sean looking at week 17 we um obviously had a couple of couple of surprises nothing major um i suppose the one that people probably might think was a surprise was the eagles slipping in there uh, into the playoffs and the vikings not making it in this was one that i thought was always a possibility obviously if you look at it from the bears perspective um you know it was a case where they're heading into week 17 if they lose to the vikings they play the vikings this coming week in the playoffs if they beat the vikings they're likely to have to play the philadelphia eagles uh, minus carson wentz you know looks like nick Foles is gonna be okay to play but obviously he picked up an injury in that one but i think from a a perspective of playing the opponent and getting the best matchup for yourself in the playoffs now it mightn't work out that way for the vikings but uh that's certainly a home game against the eagles uh for, for for the Bears rather is um the best way I think for them to go so it made perfect sense to stay and the Vikings really did not uh, perform and if you've watched them this season this has been kind of a consistent factor for them they've been pretty good in some games pretty bad in some games and this was one of the ones where it fell into the, the pretty bad category I was surprised at how little of a fight they really did put up in this but uh, the Eagles making it into the playoffs was something that um, I, I felt was a strong possibility um the other thing for me that was probably you could class as a surprise but not really all that unpredictable after what happened uh, last week um, obviously losing to the Saints was the Steelers missing out in the playoffs. Looking back over the last kind of 10 years probably I think they're probably the best team in terms of season-long play Um they had some very high points and they had some very low points you know they lost to the Raiders for example uh, but the Steelers missing out in the playoffs I would say they're probably the best team to miss out on the playoffs in recent history Um, What was your thoughts on week 17? Did either of those outcomes surprise you? Obviously that meant that the Ravens made it in and the Ravens game was highly entertaining but uh, your thoughts on those teams that missed out or didn't get in or did get in uh, on the final week?
2: Watching the Vikings at this point is pretty frustrating and we'll talk about this a little bit more as well when we talk about the best buys and the biggest concerns for early 2019 drafts but the Change the Vikings made to their offense three weeks ago uh, appeared to work out in that first week where they played an overmatched Miami Dolphins team. And obviously we saw the Dolphins crater yesterday. Their coach then fired. Uh, but in the most recent two weeks, and, and you could see this already beginning to happen just in the second half of that Dolphins game, the changes were not changes that were going to work for this team. When you take the offense away from your two best players and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, then you're going in the wrong direction and clearly the Chicago Bears have an elite defense they were able to shut down the Vikings yesterday Uh, but these are two teams now going very much in different directions and after their win in a game where I didn't know exactly how much they would go after it with the situation where obviously the Rams crushing the 49ers and, and locking in that number two seed for the Rams you have a situation where despite sitting Allen Robinson, and and that's not necessarily a big deal. Allen Robinson was not really an impact player this year, but for the Bears to win this game so easily, I really like their chances now as the potential NSC entrant into the Super Bowl. Now, clearly you're going to have to go on the road at some point and defeat uh, at least one, if not both, of the elite teams in the Rams the saints and and that's a tall task but the bears right now i think are the team that's playing the best in the nfc and and clearly then what that led to were the eagles making the playoffs and i think in a lot of ways that uh, creates a very fun dynamic outside of fans of the cowboys and the seahawks those other four teams now i think are the dynamic and exciting teams in the nfc playoffs And, and certainly the the seahawks And the Cowboys are very much on an upward trend. So we have six teams in the NFC playoffs that are very exciting, should create uh, an excellent bracket matchups play in that side of the playoffs. And, And from a fan perspective, I think that's all you can ask for.
3: I think when you look at the teams that have made it in, Sean, the the team that is kind of on the outside of that group is the Eagles. Um, you know, I think they it's just it's a long shot. Even I guess we can go back to last year when we said the same thing. It's a long shot for them to win it all. But I think the Seahawks could be really. Um, an interesting uh, proposition for pretty much any team in this. Uh, I think the Cowboys could be similar, but I do I, I like the uh, Seahawks a little bit better than the Cowboys just overall. It's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic uh, moving forward. The the team that I think that's possibly been overrated a little bit is the Saints. I know obviously the rest of uh, the majority of the players this last week, but you know if you look at the the actual bet odds for the super bowl they are heavy favorites to to win it all um, and i just don't feel the same way you know if you look through the teams that are in it um just uh, you know i would probably have them maybe fourth or fifth i definitely wouldn't be putting my money down as them as the team i think is most likely to win it i think looking at it i would go with the chiefs um if i was going with the entire thing probably then I would slot the Rams still over uh, the Saints. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun, fun couple of weeks here watching these games. And speaking of uh, you know what happened in the AFC, um, the Colts obviously making it in on Sunday Night Football and that winning in scenario against the Titans, it was pretty much... Uh, E- easy work for the Colts it could have been a little bit easier than they made it look but um, overall a simple enough performance uh, to get the win I, I did back them uh, this past week prior to that game at uh, odds of 35 to 1 t- to win the Super Bowl I mentioned they jumped on the bandwagon uh, a couple of weeks back so uh, it looks like a case where they're going to have to likely go on the road beat the Texans which I think they're more than capable of doing so uh, then they would have to go on the road and beat the Chiefs and possibly then go on the road and beat the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl and then beat whoever awaits from the NFC but the Chiefs of the team there that really would concern me just based on the firepower there uh, what do you think the likelihood is of uh, that that magical run coming up here for the colts uh, or do you think I, i've wasted that money
2: <laughs> well obviously the likelihood is that you waste that money however that is a fun bet and they they look good they're they're very much on the way up their defense has been ascending really from the beginning of the year until now making steady progress and then andrew luck looks like he's back and while he did make a few mistakes in the game last night and that game did close up a couple of times when the Colts looked like they had it in hand uh, he's moving that offense picking apart good defenses uh, going player to player using the the drop-off passes using the check downs and then attacking vertically getting uh, T.Y. Hilton into space using his assortment of other odds and ends players like Dontrell Inman and Eric Ebron now is a real weapon for them they look so confident out there and and have all of the pieces this is a more balanced Colts team than we've seen in a long time so I l- really like this pick at this point uh, to me it still seems like the Colts are going a little bit under the radar when you compare them to teams like you know the Cowboys or the Seahawks who very clearly are on the uptick but the Colts are doing the same thing and they they are very much a threat especially when you look at them. Against really all of the non-Chiefs AFC playoff teams, they, they are right in there. They're, the AFC is, is balanced and deep, and you have a situation where the Chargers have to go in as a wild card and may be the best team in the afc at the same time when you're looking at the houston texans uh, that's not a scary team when you're looking at the ravens excellent defense tricky matchup now obviously with lamar jackson but certainly i don't think anyone would have been surprised if the cleveland browns had defeated them yesterday and knocked them out of the playoffs and part of that is, is a tribute to how far the browns have come they look like a very legitimate nfl team at this point But the Patriots, not nearly as scary as they have been in the past. So when you're looking at at that group of teams, if the Colts made it out of there, I don't think that would be a shock
3: yeah i think it's gonna be it's a a fun one to follow along as you mentioned i think they're going a little bit under the radar but it's been a fun journey to see luck getting back to where he was uh, pre his injury i actually think he's playing better now than he was before his injury based on the fact that he's not getting hit he's not getting pressured and they're scheming a little bit better Uh, as you mentioned with the short passes and the dump off passes to try and avoid him getting uh, hit so it's going to be uh, interesting uh, to see here as the the coming weeks uh, move along i guess uh, the other question is uh i'm sure you're rooting heavy for the kansas city chiefs but uh, who do you think wins it all and if you had to pick one then outside of the uh, the main kind of the, the the people with the bye weeks this week uh, who would be the most likely wild card to get in there i, I have a sneaky feeling about the seahawks team but um it's gonna it's gonna be fun who do you think actually wins it and who do you think could uh, sneak up on everybody else
2: I think it's going to be the chiefs in part because the AFC is a little bit softer. And so their road to the super bowl will be easier than for the saints and the Rams, Uh, certainly for the easier than the Rams who now are set up to have a very difficult path, having to beat uh, potentially both the bears and the saints. Once the chiefs are, are, into that situation, I really like them to be aggressive score a ton of points I don't think any of the teams can match up with them Uh, in terms of the offense. Obviously, they'll give up a lot of points. That Super Bowl, if it's against the Saints or the Rams, even against the Bears, could be both teams in the 40s, maybe even touching the 50s, which uh, would be a fun follow up to what we had last season. I'll let you pick your Super Bowl winner here, and then we'll look a little bit more at possibly some sleepers.
3: Yeah, I think it's like you know I mentioned about the the bet and odds at the moment. I, I would have the Chiefs as favorite, and that's a little bit against what the perspectives are saying. But uh, I, I think the Chiefs, you know, everything's going through Kansas City at Kansas City this year. They haven't had as many home road splits, but like somebody like Tyreek Hill has predominantly been much more efficient at home. We've seen that again yesterday, so I think that gives them a big big advantage. Then obviously, if they get to the Super Bowl, they're playing indoors and uh, in, in Minnesota, and that there is obviously going to be a fast track to help with that off offense that they like to move the ball around so i think there's just so many options for them i I think it's going to be the likely to be the chiefs um if i was looking through it the the teams obviously that could give the chiefs uh, the most trouble i think it's probably the colts i think the Texans. Um, have too many deficiencies you know they have a a very solid defense but it goes through spots where they they have those issues And then if you look offensively they're really uh, I seen a stat yesterday where uh, Deshaun Watson I believe uh, was sacked 60 times this season and that's something that hasn't happened that many times in NFL history so offensive line is causing a lot of problems there so you could see a situation where if they had to um, at any point face the ravens i would fear for them out fear for them against most teams just in terms of the scheme um, so we'll see how it goes goes there um, but if we're looking over to the nfc i think i'd be probably looking at the rams or the bears and i'm really hoping the bears don't get there sorry the bears fans out there but being in that packers division and the rivalry that's uh, long-standing i find it very hard to uh, have any positive emotion towards them although i was happy to see them uh knock the vikings out uh, in week 17 um, i i think um the team out to them that could cause a little surprise i suppose if i jump into my surprise team from that side of things is uh, the seahawks i think they're playing you know if they can keep the game close but the interesting thing with the seahawks is every time they have had to put up points this year they've been able to do it they kind of play within themselves just to do enough to win each game and then if they're behind they do enough to get themselves back in the lead uh, if you think back to the, the game against the Panthers but they don't seem to blow anybody out in any week so that's that's the concern I would have for them going against the Saints uh, you know if they do fall behind early uh, and they're trying to, to shoot it out but they they, they will be fun in, the, in this playoff race
2: yeah and I think the concern that I would have as a Saints fan is how much they have tended to play down to their competition And the Cowboys and Seahawks, I do not see as legitimate Super Bowl threats because they don't have the consistent passing offense. They don't have the ability to go out there and really score points. They want to control the clock. And clearly both teams have had a ton of success with that and with playing defense. But I don't think that that is a sustainable approach in the playoffs in 2018. Right, Obviously, in the past, you could do that. I don't think you can do it with the quality of the offense, the innovation on offense, the willingness of some of these teams to go for it on fourth down. However, the team that I think is most susceptible to some a, a trap game like this would be the Saints, where you could easily see them going out there, throwing some short passes, uh, having to complete... Uh, convert a lot of third downs having a lot of handoffs to mark ingram which really slows down their offense Now, this doesn't make them not the favorite it's going to be difficult to beat them in new orleans but if you allow the game to stay close and that has the potential to be one of those types of games where they allow the game to stay close then really anything can happen to you at the end so i think that's a little bit of a of a trick there in the afc both the Chargers and the Colts, I think you have to really like. Now, clearly, any time you go on the road in the playoffs, it's difficult to win. You know, every year we have these games where it looks like, okay, the the road team is playing better. They have more talent. Perhaps they were pushed down because of uh, quirk in the way the playoffs work, which is what ha- has happened to the Chargers, obviously. But then you go on the road in the playoffs and you find out just how difficult it is to win there. And certainly uh, the Texans have a good defense. The Ravens have an elite defense. Both of those teams have young, exciting quarterbacks who have ways to move the ball on offense. But I do think the lack of explosiveness from both of these teams will catch up to them in the playoffs. The Texans uh, thrive on running the ball. Over and over and over again, obviously the Ravens have that as really their offense with the running quarterback. I don't think these two running teams can beat teams in the playoffs like the chargers and the colts who have philip rivers who have andrew luck and have so many more ways to beat you and don't have to play a perfect game don't have to have things fall exactly the way they want if the texans make a mistake the ravens make a mistake it's going to be more difficult for those teams to overcome that because they need so much to go right on offense in order to get where they need to be points wise
3: yeah, we haven't seen, um, for example, the Ravens on this current run that they're on out of the game against the Chiefs. We haven't really seen a game where they have fallen behind and have had to put up uh, points, you know, to try and make it that way. So that can put a lot of pressure on them. You know, if we get um, Phillip Rivers coming in and putting up 14 points in that first quarter, it'll be interesting to see if you know it was a case where uh, Lamar Jackson had to start turning the ball loose a little bit more. Uh, how that would actually work out for them so um, that, that's going to be a fascinating part of the uh, the adventure and this it's just what makes playoff football so much fun because uh, any mistake at any time can uh, just uh, turn the whole game on its head and cost you uh, the chance to advance uh, towards the super bowl so looking forward to these next couple of weeks so Sean today's show as I mentioned already is brought to you by the FFPC. They have their longest running and most unique playoff contest in the fantasy football universe. The FFPC playoff challenge is $200 to enter with a $200,000 grand prize and over $700,000 in total prizes paying all the way down to 600 place. There is no salary cap. There is no draft to worry about. Simply choose the 10 players who you wish to make up your roster. There is one catch. You're only allowed one player from each NFL team. That means if you choose Tom Brady as your quarterback or maybe Patrick Mahomes, if you're in Sean's case, you only can have one more chief or you can't have another chief on the roster. That means your roster for the duration of the playoffs will stay the same, including the playoffs. There will not be any changes, substitutions or free agent pickups once the rosters are locked and all NFL teams Get knocked out so you're so well your players, so uh, choose your team wisely. The contest is capped at 4,250 total entries and will sell out as it does every year. Registrations will close on Saturday, 5th of January at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't wait. Go to myffpc.com and get your team now. That's myffpc.com. Get your team and go grab that $200,000 grand prize. This episode is brought
1: to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy by Duckhorn, Elevate Your
0: Occasion. Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana
3: Republic Factory. So, Sean, in the third quarter, we're going to talk for a couple of moments here, looking through some players that we might expect to have high ownership in competitions like the FFPCs or other similar contests. The FFPCs, one that I mentioned there in the promo, is coming up with a team consisting of 10 players, and the format is one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, two flex positions, one kicker, one defense. The flex can be running back, wide receiver, or tight end. So no super flex rules in this one. Um so As we mentioned the interesting part of this one is going to be the fact that you pick your team before it starts you can only pick one player from each team and then obviously as the competition goes on your players obviously some of them will stay behind and obviously you're hoping to have two players left then when it gets to the Super Bowl the Super Bowl points are counted as double towards the team's total so it's a case of hoping that you get two players who are going to have put up large points in the Super Bowl after having a team that has helped you get points throughout the playoffs so with that in mind Sean I think you have to kind of luck to be definitely with your team at least having one quarterback that attempts to uh, get all the way to the Super Bowl based on the the double points and based on how that rewards work is that the way you would be setting up a lineup like this? I think so and, and Mahomes is the really clear
2: choice this season and then the question you have to ask is how much you want to diversify away from Mahomes as the foundation of a team or how much you want to diversify beyond Mahomes, going with him as the foundation, just taking the most straightforward play there. Obviously, a lot of owners will be looking at some other quarterbacks, uh, looking at the Chiefs maybe to have that early upset, and then if the Chiefs go down, then you have all of these other options, and you have a different type of team than so many of the other entrants. And so that is your question, but I think that the thing that you should do to start the contest would simply be to use Mahomes, build out from that, and see what you have first before you start to uh, work with and experiment with some more creative lineups. So if we have Mahomes there as the QB, who do you like to build with after that at the running back and wide receiver positions?
3: yeah when i when i enter competitions like this i kind of try and reverse engineer it so i try and go with like who i think the super bowl matchup is going to be so you're looking at who you have to have those double points i know that can really backfire on you but even if it did backfire you're still going to have a situation where you have them players for the additional playoff games that they're in so the likelihood like you mentioned is some of these players that people are going to expect to get to the super bowl are actually going to get eliminated in the early rounds finish with low points totals and then you can have that kind of contrarian play if you did avoid mahomes but i as you mentioned i think i've touched on it you've touched on it we think the chiefs are going to be in the super bowl so if you're going from that uh, range of thinking uh, it's a case where i'm going to, to go with Mahomes uh, and start off at that point because you, you're going to have them on the run through the double points at that point so when you're looking then you're trying to get somebody from the nfc um that you think is going to make it to the super bowl um you know somebody from the new orleans saints will be a prime pick there or else somebody from the rams i would be probably going the route of the rams and i'd probably be looking at if you're looking at the season really the most consistent score out of those guys has been Gurley obviously we had a big week this week from Cooks so we've had a couple of big weeks from um from Woods and you know flipping back and forth between the two of those guys but I think you know the most consistent option on that weapon or on that offense is Gurley so I would probably be going that route uh depending if you I'd be doing that best if you thought it was the Saints or uh, the Rams were most likely to get to the Super Bowl. Would that be kind of the option? Would you be kind of reverse engineering it back like that as well, Sean, or would you just be going for which lineup you thought would would fit in the best and hoping <laughs> hoping it goes well?
2: Certainly, <laughs> I think you have to look at at who you expect to make it and what could be some unlikely uh, matchups. I think that one of the ways that I like to do it is look at what the best players would be, the best plays would be, if the games didn't matter, because then you can pick some of the highest scoring guys and perhaps have lineups that are unusual simply because certain players are being faded because their team is expected to lose and a minute ago i said that i really like the bears as a team that could be that dark horse super bowl champion even with the tough road at the same time when you look at a contest like this they don't necessarily have the type of player that you would want to play in a playoff contest and so this would be an excellent chance to bet against them and perhaps pick the Bears defense use that opportunity there and then go with a different type of player because if you expect the Bears to go through you still run into the problem of who do I play Allen Robinson injured and mostly ineffective this season Uh, targets really spread among those other receivers including the tight ends who are not used that often then you have the two running backs Jordan Howard Tariq Cohen and uh, Cohen very exciting at moments, but perhaps not the guy uh, you want in this type of format, unless you're expecting the Bears to really have to go shootout style and, and come back in some of these games. And in that case, he becomes a more interesting play. But if you look for the Bears to go out, you can add a Zach Ertz to your lineup and have that best tight end of the, other than Travis Kelsey. So if you predict that the Eagles have a possibility, to spring the upset here then you can start to build out this elite lineup that would be more like a lineup you might want to have for a season-long team or or something to that effect
3: yeah that's the interesting thing too you know when you look at uh, having only one player per team that does include also uh, the flex and the kicker so you're looking at a situation where you do need to to filter those around now if you're looking for a kicker and you're looking for a a strong option who you think is going to score on a consistent basis and there's not a lot of other options in the team that you probably go um, with a huge amount of confidence, you're probably looking at the Ravens um, and, and going that way with the kicker. Um, if it's the, with Tucker, obviously, if, if it's a situation like you mentioned with the Bears, where it's hard to, if you've picked Mahomes, you're not going quarterback. Um, the running backs are kind of FA to, to have a consistent week to week. You know, we've seen uh, both of them get in the end zone yesterday, but it was a game where Jordan Howard had the majority of the work. Um, so I think the Bears' defense makes sense there. The interesting one then is when you start to look through it, like if it's a case where the Eagles are only going to be in for this one contest that you think they're going to lose after the first week it's very very difficult to put somebody like Ertz in there but you're going to have to pick somebody from the Eagles to have on that offense so when you have Mahomes that rules out Kelsey do you then like you're probably looking at the next options as Ertz or Gronk uh, is there any other tight ends that would be fitting into your ideas outside of those and, and this sort of a lineup obviously you have Ebron Um, you know I'd be probably looking more to take Helton from the Colts so what's your thoughts there um, with the tight end position?
2: Certainly, you go with Ebron, and that would be another excellent choice. I think that one of the reasons why you would really like to go with Ertz is because unless you have Ertz or unless you have Kelsey, then the tight end is going to be a low-scoring position anyway. So, if you lose your tight end off of this roster, and one of the elements here is that you are going to lose players as you go through, so choosing Ertz having him if they spring the upset losing him if they don't uh, that's a really both safe and high upside way to play it i think the next question that becomes pretty interesting when you look at running backs and again we're going to have two running backs and two flex players so uh, the running back position could be pretty broad or pretty thin on your particular roster it's that seahawks cowboys game because depending on who you are picking there i think you either want chris carson or ezekiel elliott to be one of your foundation players and If you like the Seahawks, Chris Carson could be one of those sneaky players who has a ton of upside going through the player, the playoffs, but maybe doesn't have as high an ownership
3: yeah no i think i think carson will be somebody i'd be slotting in there yeah obviously we haven't really touched on it yet and we're not going through because you could be in a different format where you don't have a salary cap but if you're in a salary cap league like the ffpc you're you're set with the salary cap as well so you have to fit under that's so what it makes it another step but i think carson somebody who helps you fit into that kind of lineup of things and the other one you know that is the likely Seahawk that I would use based on how they've been running. Obviously there's been an efficiency there. We've seen Lockett get in the end zone again, but it has been done on an an incredible incredibly efficient rate because Wilson hasn't had to pass all that much. And so it makes it interesting because you do have the case where you're likely going a case like you have the two wide receivers, you have the two running backs and you have the one tight end, but then you have two more of any of those positions to put in based on your flex. Um so looking at how we've kinda gone through it a little bit so far you know, once you start to eliminate off, I think you likely you have to put Hopkins in there based on the fact that even if they were to lose to the Colts, uh, it's a situation where um you have one on each, uh, you know, on the roster because who else are you really going to put in with confidence out of that. Uh, Texans team if you're if you're going out to the quarterback and uh, I think it's a situation where you've put in here with Hopkins and Hilton and I mentioned Hilton already uh, like if you do, if you go with Ertz at tight end go with Hilton there I think if you put Hilton and Hopkins in that gives you a situation where you're guaranteed to get two games out of uh, out of one of those wide receivers because uh, one of them obviously has to get through this wild card weekend so is that a strategy you would go with there to try and uh, fit, fit the two of them in to get you know make sure of an, an advance there in that one?
2: I think that it is it gives you the wide receivers there and it it puts you in a situation where you have a little bit of flexibility with the Saints in terms of choosing either Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara how that then allows you to fill out the rest of your lineup work with your flexes and really for individual owners play the guy that they like there obviously Thomas gives you that extremely high-end wide receiver potential whereas Kamara you know if he can get the game to go the way that most of us would like to see it if Sean Payton is willing to be aggressive enough and uh, just go out there and blow out their playoff opponents instead of toy with them with Mark Ingram. You know, if you can get Camara out there for really two three touchdowns the fact that he is so such a big threat in the red zone despite being a little bit smaller uh, maybe not the goal line back per se but having both the run pass ability in there and having that two three even four touchdown game in his range of outcomes uh, makes him the kind of player who even with thomas as likely the top wide receiver option you still might prefer to go with a running back on that team
3: Yeah, when you look at the last thing uh, we're going to do here and we're looking through to the playoff competitions is if you're looking at a situation then where you have, you know, if you go for um, Kamara there, that's going to leave you in a situation where you have two running backs. You're going to be looking then um, for another one. Obviously, you have Ezekiel Elliott from the Cowboys. Is somebody like Elliott, it's likely you're going to go, if you're going with the Cowboys, it'll be um, Elliott or else going... The situation with uh, cooper i think i would be going with elliot that means that i would likely go with thomas then but with what the wide receivers and if you're using one of them as a flex possibly you could use two of them as a flex um would edelman be the patriot that you would likely use in this situation if it wasn't gronk um would that be the way you would go there and then is there any other players that would stand out for you or do you think they're the the main ones obviously depending on people trying to fit under salary caps, you might be looking to get some guys to fit in there. I know the Cowboys tight had a monster day yesterday. I can't, I just can't think of his name now off the top of my head, but a, a three touchdown day. So there's a lot of players, you know, that you'll be trying to fit in under the radar, but is there any other players that are standing out there for you?
2: Yeah. So Julian Edelman is probably the first choice I would have from the Patriots, but I would ask you uh, in that situation where the Patriots, maybe for the first time are a less exciting Team to be picking from uh, on the offensive side in these playoff competitions in the past you know it's always this question of you know how do you deal with both Brady and Gronkowski being excellent choices now we're suddenly in a situation where really neither of them look like choices that you would need to push into your lineup and then you have this very sort of frustrating situation with James White uh, more or less disappearing down the stretch the second half of this his season obviously much less explosive than the first half from a fantasy perspective you have rex burkhead starting to get in there and steal some high leverage touches again but you do have the potential obviously for uh, in any given game white to have a massive performance michelle to have a massive performance Uh, and then yesterday the passing offense did finally start to click a little bit more and julian edelman has not been extremely consistent but is starting to really work his way back into being the driver of that offense and then obviously had the big game against the Jets so uh, if you're looking for a receiver I think that that's a sneaky way to play the Patriots whereas that running back situation uh, is a real headache albeit with huge upside is is picking one of these running backs and hoping that you hit in terms of the guy who ends up with all of those touchdowns in the playoffs is that the way that you would play it and maybe opt for Uh, some diversification there or just have a slightly different lineup than many of the competitors because of who maybe who you hit at running back or do you think those two main running backs in white and michelle are still going to have pretty high ownership
3: see i think we're going to have a situation where there's gonna be some of the teams that are gonna be the same but i think you know if you look at the the field uh, what change in one player dramatically alters everything here for you so like if you have mahomes that means you can't have kelsey or Hill. so if somebody goes the kelsey or hell route that changes the entire dynamic because it's going to change some of the wide receiver options change the tight end options Uh, i think that a team with like it's amazing to think though with the patriots but i think they'll probably go uh, very very uh, kind of diluted in terms of the the samples that's going on it like there, there'll be teams with james white sonny michelle and game scripts where they've had uh, you know had a close game or the lead has been getting quite a large amount of work uh, in terms of carries he's not getting really any work in the receiving game and then you mentioned the disappearance of James White, if anyone is able to find him. I think he's on the side of a milk curtain somewhere. But the other one then is uh, Rex Burkett, who caught a touchdown this past week. So it's very hard to figure out that backfield. But I do think that you'll probably see a lineup that's probably going to go very, very close to winning it with one of them running backs. And it just as a differentiation from the field. I think when you're looking then as well at uh, fitting under salary caps, I think there'll be um, less expensive options than obviously the top tier players that are probably going to go rostered on most lineups. So it's going to be an interesting one to see how it shakes out. But uh, the real interesting dynamic is the fact that it's one player from each team. So it's not a case where you can stack Mahomes with Kelsey or stack Mahomes with. Uh, hill makes it very very interesting dynamic uh, going forward so i'm looking forward to to following some of these competitions as we get uh, closer to the super bowl to see how things go and as with every year we're going to see a couple of surprises where one or two of the teams that we probably don't expect to advance all that far uh, are going to get uh, qu- quite a run if you look at like last year for example with the eagles and um, if anyone was putting in nick foals at the start of a competition like this we would have thought they were crazy i remember back to the year the Ravens won the Super Bowl Um, somebody had I was watching a TV show and they went with a complete Ravens lineup and obviously at the start you would have thought that that was absolutely insane it was definitely going to be a no-show come the end of the competition but uh, obviously they they won it all out it it wasn't based on one pair team so uh, (laughs) obviously fun things like that can happen as well so it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what changes here in the next couple of weeks there'll be a lot of different little bits and pieces that uh, shuffle around so Um, it's a fun fun time of the year so Sean in the fourth quarter now we're going to look a little bit past the playoffs we're going to start to look ahead to 2019 and some of the players that we are looking to target or looking to possibly avoid that we think might be overvalued so let's start on the players we're looking to target obviously it's very very early and when we start looking at players now, pre-free agency, pre-draft, there is a lot of things can change here. Some players' values will go up, some players' values will go down. But uh, players that have uh, impressed us, or we've seen little glimpses of throughout the season, or possibly even at the end of the season, that are going to make them uh, interesting for us here as we head towards um, the off-season to start prepping for the twenty nineteen season. Who has stood out for you? Caught your eye that you are thinking um, that you are going to be trying to catch them on your lineups in twenty nineteen?
2: The first thing I always look at for uh, these early picks for the next season is simply those running backs who were really exciting going into the year and then uh, didn't make much noise. The zero running back approach has always benefited so heavily from taking these young running backs who quickly go out of fashion because of a downstretch. So you have someone like a Ronald Jones who – the front office seemed to like, had a spectacular college profile, and then instantly fell out of favor with his coaching staff, and then was buried for the entire season. It'll be interesting to see what direction Tampa Bay decides to go in, but if you get a different offense there, if you get some different leadership there, then I think that there are some exciting things that he could do, and obviously he's going to be extremely cheap unless we have an announcement early on that he is as somehow without practicing but able to jump some of those other guys if we look at some players who were a little bit more effective however watching the game yesterday it was a good reminder that naheem Hines has worked his way into a niche but crucial role with the colts where He is both a passing down back and then just sort of uh, this hybrid back who splits out on a lot of plays, acts as an extra receiver for that Colts team. And we liked him before the season because of that. Background: We liked him because of ex- of his extreme speed, and we liked him because of the way Andrew Luck runs that offense, which is both very effective, very efficient, but also features numerous checkdown passes to the running backs. So he's someone where he worked himself into a good little snap share over the second half of the season. Uh, was you know fairly widely mocked after his preseason struggles but then was a very solid player for them throughout the year had some stretches when Marlon Mack wasn't completely healthy where he was actually fantasy viable there's definitely a scenario next year where Mack could still be a fantasy starter and Hines can move into more of the Turek Cohen role maybe doesn't have quite the size quite the explosiveness or the electricity uh, that Cohen has but this offense provides a lot of those same kinds of things where a passing down back without necessarily getting a ton of normal touches could could play a big role and could score a lot of points with you at a fairly limited cost. So he'll be one of the people I'm interested to see if he takes any more uh, steps forward in the playoffs, how they use him, and then what their depth chart looks like next year and certainly obviously then what his ADP becomes because he's one of those guys who could end up being an easy weekly starter for you for very little cost as someone who has jumped on the Colts bandwagon have you been watching Heinz or are there other guys like that that you might be looking to
3: Heinz is somebody who like all season long you know in dynasty as well I would own him in quite a few leagues so I find you know kind of in the early weeks of the season that he was a very profitable player to have in those lineups and um, he's somebody who I think is like you mentioned fits into that kind of Terry Cohen possibly not as efficient or as effective as he can be probably fits into that uh you know theoretic Giovanni Bernard kind of mold and that's kind of where a lot of my uh, players will end up coming from so he's definitely somebody who um I've liked watching I have to say Martin Mack has looked uh, much better over the last kind of four or five weeks so that's uh, a little bit of concern for people going in for Heinz but I do think in a, a pass heavy offense like the Colts um, like I mentioned already with trying to get the ball out of Lux's hands a little bit quicker from time to time Heinz uh, has proven to be very efficient that way uh, I can see from the the show sheet here that the next player you've done Sean is Royce Freeman we did talk about him a couple of weeks ago we also have the situation where uh, Philip Lindsay has to have uh, surgery on his wrist after breaking it in week 16 and um, obviously expected to be back for um, you know all all the activities heading into 2019 but Royce Freeman is he somebody who you think could get sufficient work next season do you think there's possibly that somebody looks to trade him away from Denver or how, how are you looking at him heading and do you think he's possibly that zero RB candidate where he could still steal back this job obviously we've seen Lindsay do it in a monster way in his first year as a rookie and obviously Freeman with the higher draft capital how how do you think that shakes out that he he can break his way back into the fold a lot of it will depend on Lindsay, and like
2: you mentioned the wrist injury probably will not cause a problem dr budoff has an excellent article on the site breaking that down for you in a little bit more detail talking about how it is a significant injury but with that time frame to rehab he should be okay one of the things to consider about so many of these running back situations is how A lot of the backfields are going to be committees and within those committees, when one or the other player uh, suffers an injury, it creates a lot of upside for the other guy. And so in a lot of these situations, if you're not quite comfortable with the ADP of the starter or you like the backup to have a little bit of standalone value even if it's more of a desperation, more of a bi week fill in type of player, then that tends to be the guy that we really like. Because if something happens, and certainly you're hoping that it doesn't, but you know, we saw in this last month after a very healthy regular season for fantasy which i thought was great it was fantastic to see all of those stars out there uh, all throughout the season to see those first three rounds uh, so many players contributing for their owners as opposed to all of the landmines but over that last month again we saw uh, what tends to be the case with football this type of sport that it is you lose so many guys and then there is a ton of upside for the people who are left and freeman is a player we loved as a prospect still has a lot of those comparisons to guys like a Le'Veon Bell like a David Johnson didn't really flash much of that at all this season in part because this offense was bad and I think that 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 even more gives you a sense of just how good Philip Lindsay was because he was not in one of these situations where the offense is doing a ton of the work for you you know you see someone like uh Camara like a Gurley those guys Are fantastic it's certainly no criticism of them whatsoever but what really launches them to that very top level is just how good their offense is you know how much space they have to work with how many goal line carries they get uh, how well the offense sustains drives all of those types of things play to their favor and Lindsay was not uh, getting the benefit of any of that and yet still fantastically successful rookie season coming from this undrafted status so Lindsay is the guy there, but Freeman, if he ends up having some opportunities and if the coaching change, which they've already committed to here, if the coaching search, the new coach, the new offense, if it creates a, a better environment, then either or both of those backs could really take off. And the thing that you liked yesterday, even though it's just one game and it's just in some ways a throwaway week 17, is that after not being targeted for much of the season, Freeman caught or was targeted 10 times yesterday, caught eight passes. If he has that in his profile, and a lot from his back, his background at Oregon, and then his specific athletic profile, suggested that he did. If he can be that big back who does play in the passing game, you know, if, if Devontae Booker can be, you know, pushed even more to the background, then he has some big time upside and uh, you know someone who was drafted early this year and completely disappointed was not playable really much of the season you would expect his ADP to be very very manageable in 2019 he's the type of player who tends to be very heavily punished for a bad season and, and in many ways rightly so
3: yeah I feel the same way and you mentioned week 17 uh, I actually had Royce or uh, Devontae Booker in a couple of my lineups uh, based on I thought that he would get all the passing work so uh, obviously that was um, a very positive sign for Royce Freeman uh, to get those uh, targets and to make those receptions so that was something that uh, worked worked well for him there Uh, going to go rapid fire through a couple of mine and a couple more of yours, sean here so we'll give a quick thoughts uh, and if you have no thoughts on these players or you don't agree we can uh, (laughs) wrap through them fairly quickly Uh, first up obviously i'm going to mention amari cooper uh, finished the season very strong i think he's going to probably be propped up a lot higher than he was obviously uh, eight or nine weeks ago but i think he still could potentially be a value when we see his adp for 2019 because uh, i just think that that we've kind of seen uh, the rebirth of amari cooper the one i'm interested in is jarvis landry obviously we've kind of seen him over the last uh four or five weeks uh, show what week and you know, we're hoping for at the start of the season he said uh, two 100 yard games in there he had a game where he had 100 Uh, yards from scrimmage um, against the Carolina Panthers so some he had 54 rushing yards in that one Uh, and then he's had a couple of touchdowns in there as well so he's had a much stronger finish this season is he somebody that you think could uh, go with a lower you know projection from what we had him this year obviously kind of second third round do you think he could be possibly down in the fifth round making him a value uh, and somebody we target again for 2019
2: I'll probably have Landry on a decent number of teams simply because I'm a big believer in his talent. And even with the way this season went, he was still fantasy viable. On the other hand, it is a little bit of a concern that this offense looks like it will spread the wealth. And the way he was used does not fit with his skill set. I was seeing something earlier today about how his yards after the catch had fallen by hundreds of yards over what he had done earlier in his career they're trying to target him more down the field obviously there's a lot of emphasis on air yards and depth of target and that kind of thing and how understanding that information can help you make good fantasy choices and and sometimes we can lose the sense of why for many players that wouldn't be good at all and why it wouldn't be good for Jarvis Landry to have targets more down the field. In terms of watching the game yesterday, even though he had a very good game, and watching the games over the last couple of months, he's having a lot more targets along the sideline that are incomplete and not particularly likely to be complete. He's getting a lot lower value targets, where when he was working underneath, working across the middle, he's a fantastic run after the catch guy but he's also fantastic with the catch he's incredibly tough yeah so he had the the fantastic catch yesterday (laughs) where the officials seemed to rule that incomplete simply because the catch looked so impossible and so he's got these multiple abilities that are at the very top end of the receiving category but He's not the kind of guy you want running deep necessarily. He's not the kind of guy you want running all of these patterns along the sidelines. You know, he's this somewhat unique weapon where if you get him involved over the middle, he can be the chain mover. He can be the guy who catches those passes and then runs with authority through the center of the field, gets that yards after catch, uh, is, is one of the top players in that category and can create a bunch of high success rate kinds of plays right so when we're looking at this depth of target when we're looking at these air yards when we're looking at these guys who get these longer passes one of the things that you lose with that now there, there are tons of things that you gain but one of the things with you lose is you lose a little bit of that success rate where you're going to have more incompletions you're going to have um, obviously a less consistent moving of the football through those chunks that you need to keep the offense rolling now with mayfield he's done a fantastic job they moved the ball they've scored points and so the offense as a whole is functioning but they're simply not using landry the way that that he makes sense the way that he's the most successful and the way that it really makes sense to pay him like that when you've sort of relegated him to the same level in the offense as guys like rashad perryman and rashad uh, rashard higgins then you know, you have a little bit of a problem there because there's a difference not only in the skill level and the profile, but also the compensation for those three players. So, I think there's possibility that the Browns will get him back involved in a way that we'd like to see. It's certainly possible that they're going to completely scrap what they've been doing. I mean, there are some whispers coming out about some pretty scary names attached to that coaching position. Where, with how well they played the last month and a half, you might think that their interim coaches, uh, both head coach and offensive coordinator, would get a shot at that. So. Still a lot of question marks there, uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I think you would, you would certainly want to see Landry's ADP fall, which it's going to before you would start to consider him again if they're not going to use him in that high-volume role. Two of the guys that we have liked at Rotoviz and had flashes this season that you have down on your list. And I'm interested to hear if you think their ADPs will be expensive. If you think that the injuries and the, maybe the short time frames they had with success will keep them cheaper. Uh, what your positive thesis is on Aaron Jones and Will Fuller.
3: I, well, I guess if Dave Cabin's listening, uh, he's the biggest Will Fuller fan out there, I know, but I've I've said on this show that I, I believe that when he's in the offense, the, the Texans are both better for uh, Deshaun Watson. Obviously, he had a monster game this past week, but also helps out uh, take some coverage away from uh, Hopkins, but even with the coverage there, it doesn't seem to affect him. So I think follow somebody who even in the small sample size this season, played seven games at over 500 yards, uh, I think that him coming back, I think he could probably... Injuries tend to have two different effects on players. They have play People just forget about them, or else people start to overhype them and believe they're better than they are when they're coming back from injury. That'll obviously take the ADP to help me decide if they're over or undervalued, but follow somebody to me at the moment who... Because the Texans, have it still has success without him, uh, I I think that he could potentially go a little bit undervalued heading into 2019. So he's somebody who I'm going to be targeting uh, at the early stages. The other one's Aaron Jones, who obviously has been injured for the last couple of weeks. And we've seen Jamal Williams uh, have the big game two weeks ago. So sometimes these sort of things can... uh, Kind of filter into people's minds and they can have the the wrong effects. But I think Aaron Jones, what he done in the passing game when he did get the opportunity, it was kind of ridiculous that he didn't get the opportunity a little bit earlier. Uh, and what he was able to do then when he was rushing the ball, I think that he has shown that he's extremely dynamic. And I think that coming back into 2019 with a new head coach, with uh, the offense hopefully starting to click into a little bit of a higher gear than it did this year, where tended to struggle the majority of the way through i think aaron jones and will fuller are two players that i'll certainly be targeting heading into 2019 uh are they on your radar and just as we get to the, the last two players and uh, i've calvin ridley down here as a player that i think could be primed for a, a huge second year obviously he did have quite a big rookie year but i think uh, that's a sign of more things to come for him and the other players kenny Galladay, who i was just looking up uh, 2018 adp before we recorded he was actually the wide receiver 53 an average draft position this past year so his adp of average draft position could potentially be the biggest jump for 2019 but i still think uh, there could be value there with him in detroit uh, heading into 2019 so out of those four guys is there any of them that you have any interest and thoughts on Well, Ridley, it will be interesting because he's going to be in that Juju
2: Smith-Schuster conversation where you could easily see him as a fourth round pick and still undervalued. Now, the tricky part there is that Smith-Schuster was able to do that despite uh, splitting touches or targets, obviously, with Antonio Brown. So you have to have a high-powered offense and an offense that's fairly concentrated, at least at the wide receiver position, in order to support two players at that level. But with The relative weakness of the rest of the Falcons receiving core. Now, Mohamed Sanu did have an excellent season, but certainly seems like more of the player who is a role guy and will fill in in those situations where the offense needs other people maybe being taken out. And simply because in the Dome, the Falcons really are set up to have such a strong and such a high floor. As a passing offense every year but it wouldn't be surprising at all to see both jones and ridley be well over a thousand yards and actually be helping each other as opposed to hurting each other uh, from all different types of perspectives both with volume creating opportunities with coverage and efficiency making them both more explosive because the defense can't take both of them away jones i think is a little bit interesting in that he might be one of those guys where because he was so dynamic during that stretch and because he'll be the presumed starter for this coming season where i would see him uh, in that range maybe with a a Jarek mckinnon uh, some of those types of guys from 2018 where it wouldn't be surprising at all if he's a third round pick and maybe even uh, if 2019 ends up as running back heavy as i expect now The top running backs definitely should be drafted very early in 2019, and are going to be excellent foundation pieces. The concern that I have with people drafting running backs is not those top guys, but when you then become desperate or scared because you've either missed out on a top guy or you're worried that you're going to have to stack these players, and then we start to get in the rounds two and three and even four with some players who are maybe uh, less palatable, have some more red flags, have some issues with their profile that maybe they don't have that same amount of upside and certainly not the same floor that a top wide receiver would have so jones if he gets up into that late second round if he gets up into the third round area then he doesn't necessarily become a bad pick becomes a much more risky pick a much more interesting pick because he's certainly not a sleeper or a, a value pick per se at that point point. and nick chubb i think is another guy who would fit into that potentially overvalued area where i had chubb on almost all of my redraft teams this year Uh, blair andrews wrote some excellent articles about why you want to target the rookie running backs in that range obviously he was a top prospect and then once they got rid of carlos Hyde, he was fantastic and put up excellent rushing numbers i believe from that point was only outrushed by ezekiel elliott now the problem comes in, in and he does not catch passes and both because of his profile and because of the presence of duke johnson uh, who certainly if they do change the offensive staff and, and i think a lot of us hope that they don't but if they do change the offensive staff there again you have this opportunity for duke johnson to be used more uh, if you were a chub owner Having him was was bittersweet in that it was exciting to get almost an extra bonus guy into your starting lineup and yet that development as a receiver, especially in the fantasy playoffs, as you're chasing that one hundred and fifty thousand dollar prize, that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar prize, you know, he was not there as the big scorer that would put you over the top. And while you can expect development as a second-year player and certainly would not surprise me if he were a top 10 running back next year. And so you're saying, well, if he's a top 10 running back, then having him picked in the second round is not a problem at all. But really what we're looking at are the different scenarios and and the possibility for the extreme upside that would create a league winner. Does he have the upside of a Camara, of a Christian McCaffrey with all of those receptions? Because in the contemporary NFL, I mean, you have to catch a ton of passes at the running back position to really be a threat with those top guys so he would be someone who would be on my overvalued list i see you have derrick henry and tevin coleman as potentially overvalued guys and i'm guessing perhaps for different reasons
3: yeah for for different reasons but a a little bit like you know i mentioned with uh, some of the players finishing off the season strong a little bit earlier like jarvis landry sometimes that can push people up again a little bit too high it depends if people remember Um, you know in terms of the general public if people remember those first eight weeks or the last eight weeks and um, you know that that can make a big difference on it. Chubb is a a case as well where obviously we talk about here uh, depending on where the ADP goes because during the season I think you're probably the man that was uh, on the on the Chubb to, to get him released uh, at a Hyde as soon as possible we were talking about how explosive those plays were when he was sitting behind Hyde uh, you know early in the season so it just shows obviously when the ADP gets to a point where it's too rich it obviously we still like the player but it changes uh, the value dr- dynamically or somewhat dramatically uh, the players I have as you mentioned there is Derek Henry, Tevin Coleman Henry obviously finishing the season off quite strong from a Russian perspective um, and obviously they, they started to kind of go with him as the lead back down the stretch and uh, did show some stuff but i think that'll push him up onto a tier where he probably would have been going uh you know significantly later you know if, the, if you were talking about before i think it was maybe week 14 he had the first big game against the jaguars so It'll be a situation then where he would have been going in the double-digit rounds. I think now he's probably pushed up, I would imagine, into that kind of fourth, fifth round, depending on how when things shake out. Uh, I don't know if you think that's too high, Sean, for kind of projecting, but I, I feel that's where he probably will be going. I feel Tevin Coleman at the moment, obviously people, Uh, will be disappointed with how his season has gone, but he did have one or two games towards the end of the season, but the big thing for him is going to be where he lands in terms of free agency. I find it pretty much impossible to believe that he'll be back with the Falcons this coming season, so he'll be a free agent, and obviously if he finds a a new landing spot, uh, we can start to see the hype rise very quickly. We did see it for example, last season uh, with Jarek McKinnon that you mentioned, he did get injured before the season. But free agency often sees these players get really uh, ramped up in terms of their value, uh, and I think that's why he could be uh, two too overvalued. And Derrick Henry, just for the the finish down the stretch, I think he he will people will start to to buy into to the hype again and uh, get behind him. Although Henry's a player I do like, I just think he's gonna it's going to get out of control a little bit. So, would you agree with those two?
2: I, I do, especially with Henry, where unless he has one of those playoff games where you know he has 15 carries for 25 yards, then the hype is going to be extreme for him, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he also ends up in that second round area and it's not that it would be impossible for him to return value or be a solid player at that point but again without the receiving numbers you're looking at the necessity for so many long runs i mean he's built this last month on breakaway plays and i don't think that you can completely discount those it always bothers me when people are like well you know if you if you get rid of chris johnson's long runs and then just look at the the you know, yards after contact he had on other plays, then he wasn't a good player. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> that completely uh, eliminates the value that's very real that Chris Johnson brought to the table. You know, to, to say Derrick Henry shouldn't get credit for the long runs, I mean, that would be a, an absurd way to look at it, both from a reality and from a fantasy perspective. But he, he's a very specific role type of player in the. He has to have very specific things happen for him within the context of a game to put up the big numbers. And that's one of the reasons why he struggled for his first season and a half. And so for someone who was legitimately on waiver wires going into the fantasy playoffs to suddenly be a second round pick the next year, which, you know, we saw just how much that Chiefs playoff game the previous year had affected his adp and where it pushed him up to then you know he's going to be at a level where it's difficult for him to pay off tevin coleman is is an interesting one he's been one of my favorite players obviously uh, a very erratic and disappointing season this year if he goes to a team that uses the running back in the passing game i think it'll be difficult for him to be overvalued simply because he has that breakaway potential and any team that uses the running back in the passing game will use him and will create that floor to where he doesn't even have to be good i mean the problem that you have with players like nick chubb and derrick henry is that they have to be fantastic to return fantasy value and really if you're trying to build in this you know high floor high ceiling kind of team you want to have players who they don't have to be good to be fantasy viable and then when they are like a christian mccaffrey then you've won your league and so i think that coleman has a little bit of that but certainly we have to follow where he goes in free agency and then the problem just becomes that if you're a dynasty owner then it's great if you go somewhere that that is going to use him appropriately in redraft his value will be so closely tied to that that it probably will be difficult to get a value on him because if he goes to the Kansas city chiefs for example then again you're, you're talking about someone who could be picked in the second round and maybe even be a value there i mean we we've seen what uh, players like Damian Williams like CJ Anderson have been able to do uh, with the Rams with the Chiefs now again that doesn't invalidate by any stretch what Todd Gurley has done what Kareem Hunt did but it gives you a sense of what a player maybe in that Tevin Coleman talent range could do in an offense like that so certainly people will be following that Chiefs situation the player there is going to skyrocket obviously be following Tevin Coleman as well
3: yeah, and as we finish up, Sean, I know some of the listeners have been following along with uh, your progress throughout the season. My progress in my leagues has not been as uh, successful due to injuries and some uh, bad, bad calls at, at certain points of the season. So, uh, with you and uh, the FF- or some of the bigger leagues that you were in this season, how did you finish up in that final week of the playoffs? Uh,
2: week Week sixteen
3: was a lot of fun.
2: The uh, my my FFWC. the main event team was able to hold off uh, its opponent in that three-week final so the five hundredths of a point loss in week 13 that forced the playoff did not end up costing me and and obviously that was a lot of fun I think that was the 11th main event uh, individual league title and uh, it's always a lot of fun to add those because you're playing against people who you know are very Highly incentivized and and in most cases very experienced and talented in that particular league was the top player in the world and certainly beating him in one league uh, is not in any way <laughs> an indication of, of anything other than it was fun to to have won a league that he was in. Uh, he won the overall contest in two different formats this season, and actually in both of those, I think he finished. First and second in one, first and third in the other. So, obviously, congratulations to Chad. Those of you who followed that at all had he had another one of those unreal seasons. It was it was a lot of fun to be in a league where where I took the title and and he was in it. My team. Uh, with 170 some points that last week did jump up into 18th so a top 20 overall finish was also a lot of fun that last evening i was rooting for the broncos to score some defensive points and and try and pull me up into the top 10 Uh, the margin there was was pretty small matt Breida going out injured at the beginning uh instead of deciding to go with someone like Curtis Samuel that was that was a disappointment but obviously you you can always be able to see those things after the fact which which going into the game you know perhaps obviously you wanted to have your your running back in that that flex position the Broncos were not able to do what the Chiefs did last night and score some defensive touchdowns create sacks and turnovers instead they made Derek Carr look like a Pro Bowl player lost that game probably got their coach fired but again that's a a very minor complaint for a a top 20 finish it also turned out well in the MFL 10 of death Uh, going into the the week five points back it was a, a real bummer I think for Ryan to not have Todd Gurley for that last week that took a little bit of the excitement out of the win. But to to get the third MFL 10 of death victory in the last four years, I think really goes back to showing that some of these structural advantages matter. Some of the things that we talk about on the show. Now, you know, everybody likes to think that they're good at picking players. I like to think that I'm good at picking players. There are a lot of things that we do at Rotoviz that we talk about on the pod, that we talk about on the site, where we look at the evidence and we go through and we help uh, try and explain and describe why the evidence suggests that these players are undervalued these players have uh, scenarios within their profile where they could outperform and they could win you your league right so we feel like we're helpful in in, in picking players for you based on our evidence based approach right and so when we say that we'd like to think we're good at picking players we do like to think that but also There are going to be some other things, luck, obviously, (laughs) being a a central factor as well. But when you combine this evidence based player selection process with some of the structural advantages that Zero Running Back and other strategies that we also discuss, right? It's not just that. Uh, The advantages that they can give you, then I think it puts our readers and our listeners in a position to succeed. And You know, it's a lot of fun to have, to have won that league, but also because I think it demonstrates the value of some of the things that we do. So that was exciting. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll play zero running back in that format again next year and see if we can extend the string
3: yeah and uh, i think the main thing to take away from that is that uh, sean is now the best fantasy football player in the world i think that's the the clear indication sean to take away take away from that but uh with, with it sean that's going to wrap us up for the new year's edition off the show i think possibly uh the possibly the longest episode we've ever done off the show but i think there's a lot of good stuff that we talked about we've covered a lot of ground 2019 2018 the playoffs playoff challenges so much in there and uh, i'm really looking forward now to the wild card weekend in terms of our schedule we will be updating that follow my social media uh, at overtime ireland uh, we'll be updating that to see how we go throughout the playoffs and then throughout the offseason still working through the finer details but uh, it's going to be a fun fun offseason here at rotovis so with that it's going to do us for today's show uh, all i also want to do is wish all our listeners a very happy uh, new year hopefully you have a great 2019 as I mentioned already, my name is Colum Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, who you can follow at FF underscore contrarian. And until we're back with the next show in 2019, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on his Radio. Please rate and review the his Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Road of radio And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the his Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.
0: Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis.
2: How was the birthday party? Mm. Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth.
0: It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Mm.
2: Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat?
0: What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.